Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Super Sleuths Book 3 The Smuggler's Gold by E.M. Clark. Read by Lexi. Chapter 5 Finding the Flying Dutchman's Treasure. The soft light of dawn bathed the beach in a rosy glow as the sleuths gathered by their trusty rowboat, the Lucky Star. They had spent a restless night, wondering whether Nika had managed to set the pirates off on the wrong track, and they were relieved when it was time to meet her. It always felt better when you were doing something, rather than sitting worrying about it, Sally thought. It was a clever idea of Nika's to lead the pirates south via lookout point, Sam was saying, as he shaded his eyes in the growing morning light, looking down the beach for their friend. It'll be easy for her to lose anyone following in the offshore islands. She knows them all so well, she'll be able to give those idiot pirates the slip easily. The sleuths were loading up the Lucky Star with provisions to make sure they had enough food and essentials for the journey north to the lagoon of Imora. Their boat had a clever little barbecue, which was bolted onto the side, enabling them to cook up delicious grub wherever they were. All they had to do was light the charcoal and they had an open grill ready to go. Widow Hanlon's meat and vegetable kebabs were carefully wrapped up, as well as some corn on the cob, which was very tasty when roasted on the coals. They also had some squeaky cheese, as the children called it, white chunks of salty cheese, which tasted like heaven when it went all melty on the grill. Some bread rolls and fresh fruit finished the menu. The sleuths' tummies were already rumbling at the thought of devouring it all, and it was only six in the morning. This is exciting, said Zav, as Rafa chattered eagerly on his shoulder and stole a banana from the fruit basket. I mean, we never thought we'd be actually hunting for gold. I know, agreed Milo. I've got the plan of the house by the lagoon here with me. And I've got the doubloon, said Sophie, clutching the dull gold coin. I've got the bill of carriage proving the gold was loaded onto the Flying Dutchman, said Sam. And Zellie and I have got the locket and the ship in a bottle, Zav finished. It was a clever plan of Nika's to split all the clues up, wasn't it? remarked Zelly. That way, no one would be able to tell which is a real clue or which is just something one of us is carrying around for curiosity. And I've got so many drawings and bits of paper in my pockets, they'd have a tricky time figuring out which one was important, Milo grinned. Here she comes now, cried Sophie, looking down the beach. Ahoy there! and she waved at the tall figure striding towards them on the golden sand. It was Nika, and she looked very pleased with herself. Hey up, me hearties, she said, clapping them all on the back. Excellent timing. Are we ready for the off? Aye, aye, captain, replied the sleuths, saluting her smartly. Then let's weigh anchor, Nika said. I'll tell you what I've been up to on the way. And she winked. With that, they all boarded the Lucky Star and set off to the north, heading for the Whispering Sands and the mysterious Lagoon of Imora. So, tell us what happened with the pirates, Nika, Zelly burst out. We're all desperate to know. Well, I'm pretty sure I've fooled them, she said, grinning. First, I made sure they saw us set off from the Challenger in our longboat, and I told my three trusty crew to keep going south, down the Coconut Coast. When we got to the islands around Lookout Point, we performed the really tricky trick. Nika paused, her white teeth flashing in the sunlight, and she leaned forward as if telling a great secret. 
We hid by Crab Island, tying our boat to some of the rocks there. Then we draped the boat and ourselves with seaweed to make the boat look just like one of the other rocks. We watched those pirates sail right past. When it was safe, we turned around and used the roaring current to get back north fast. And here I am. Anika picked some tangled green seaweed out of her dreadlocks, waving it in victory. The sleuths gazed at her in admiration. Wow, said Zelly, that was really clever. And that's just what Sam predicted you would do, said Sophie, looking at her brother proudly. Well, minus the seaweed camouflage, Sam added, that is brilliant. You have a sailor's instinct, Samo, Nika said. I'm impressed. And Sam's smile was so wide, his grin disappeared into his ears. As they rode steadily north, they passed the entrance to Smuggler's Creek. The sleuths all glanced at each other. This route will take us right past the hurricane hole, said Milo quietly, his eyeglass trained on the gently pulsing waves all around them. Nika frowned. That's where you had the run-in with the Black Cross gang, isn't it? The sleuths nodded. Well, don't worry. We're not going anywhere near there this time. Nika reassured them. We'll row straight past by Emerald Isle and should reach the Lagoon of Amora soon after that. The sleuths put to their oars with renewed urgency, ignoring the mist which had slowly crept up, hiding the sinister shape of the circular rock which loomed to their left. Full speed ahead, cried Nika, her dreadlocks whipped by the wind which had picked up and seemed to be hurrying the sleuths on their way. They had soon moved past the hurricane hole, The mist evaporated, and they were warmed by the hot sun once more. "'Nearly there, me hearties!' Nika cried encouragingly. As the children rode the final part of the journey, Anna and Demaria swooped above them, surfing in the air currents around the lucky star. Rafa had positioned himself as the figurehead of the boat, and took turns changing his position, making everyone laugh. "'He looks like the figureheads on the ships in the Sugar Islands,' Nika remarked. "'They call them wooden ladies.' Rafa would love to be a wooden lady, giggled Zav, wouldn't you, Raff? And the monkey gave him a friendly pat on the head, as if in agreement. Land ahoy, cried Milo, and they soon landed on the Bay of Whispering Sands. They could see the old house in the distance and pointed it out excitedly. It was large and, though clearly abandoned, only partially ruined. It was set back a little way from the beach, so the large waves rolling in during storms couldn't reach it. It must have been beautiful once, said Zelly, as they walked up to look more closely. The house had balustrading all around and a first-floor balcony with views up and down the Bay of White Sand. You can see how the bay got its name, said Milo, listening. The noise the wind makes in the palms does sound like a whisper. As they got closer, they realised that the house was more dilapidated than they had thought, and there was a horrible smell coming from the building. Ugh, what's that? asked Sophie, clamping her fingers over her nose and trying to breathe through her mouth so she didn't have to experience the stench. Bats, replied Sam, and sure enough, all of a sudden, a cloud of bats flew out of the building straight at the sleuths and Nika. Yikes! cried Zavanzelli at exactly the same time, ducking to avoid the oncoming swarm of creatures which were squeaking and flapping and generally making a terrible racket. Sophie flung her arms over her head and threw herself to the ground as the animals zoomed over the sleuths. 
Meanwhile, Nika hadn't ducked or even flinched. She was standing, legs apart, head held high, and the bats seemed to avoid her perfectly. She grinned. You don't need to duck me, Hardies, she said. Bats have great radar. They can sense you're there. They will never hit you. Maybe, said Zav, straightening up and looking a little sheepish, but I'm not giving them the chance. Imagine those hairy little faces and their sharp teeth burying into you, added Sophie with a shudder. No thanks. So much for Rafa defending us against the enemy, laughed Sam, pointing at the little Mariki, who had taken cover in the broad leaves of a nearby palm tree. Oh, poor Rafa, Zelly chuckled, holding out her arms to the monkey, who leapt into them and gave her a hug. You were just as scared as us, weren't you? Why does it smell so bad? asked Zav, wrinkling up his nose. The bats hang on the rafters at night and their droppings fall down, explained Nika. It's not the best smell, but you get used to it. The good thing is, there'll be no mosquitoes around here, because the bats eat them all. I don't reckon there'll be many people around here either, added Sam. No locals will come here if the house is abandoned and has bats living in it. Let's go in, suggested Zav and they all trooped through the open door into the cool of the interior. Once they were inside, they disturbed even more bats, but at least they'd been warned this time. They'll go if we ignore them, said Nika reassuringly. They're more scared of us than we are of them. This is the bats' home, I suppose, said Milo. Really, we're the ones trespassing. Ooh, hang on, what's that? And he pointed to what looked like a large football hanging from the ceiling. Leading from it were trails in all directions. It's a termite nest, said Zav. Remember, we found one at Red Cove last year. It should be deserted, but let's not risk it. If they're still living there, they might bite. They're like ants, aren't they? added Milo. They live in large colonies. That looks like a pretty big one. Let's keep our distance. Where shall we search first? asked Sophie. Let's look at the plan. Zelly suggested, and they poured over it once more. That room at the back seems to have built-in cupboards, like the ones in the Sloop Inn, observed Zav. Let's start there, agreed Nika. <clears throat> they followed the map into a room right at the back of the old house. There's quite a few cupboards in here, grinned Sam. Let's take a section each like we did at the inn. But this time... All the cupboards were empty. The sleuth stood back, puzzled. Let's double-check this one, said Milo, going to a cupboard in the corner. After all, it's exactly like the one we found the wallet in, inside the sloop inn. He looked again at the bottom of the cupboard. But there was nothing, except dust and bat droppings, and definitely no sign of a trap door, like Sophie had spotted at the inn. I know, said Zav. Check the top. People never look up when they're searching for something hidden. Nika was easily the tallest, so she felt around on the top of the cupboard. Hang on, there's a crack like the one in the bottom of the other cupboard, she reported, her eyes shining with excitement. She took out her knife and ran it around the crack she'd found. Crash! Something fell. The noise was very loud in the empty house, and Sophie looked around nervously. Demaria, go on patrol, she whispered and her bright parrot zoomed away. "'What is it?' asked the others eagerly, almost jumping up and down with anticipation as Nika picked up the fallen object. "'It's a wooden box,' Nika said. 
with a letter in it from the captain of the Flying Dutchman. She looked up, amazement in her eyes. Another clue. He certainly isn't making the search for this treasure easy. The sleuths exchanged excited looks. Another clue. They must be getting closer. It's too dark in here to make it out properly, said Nika. Let's go outside. They all followed her back out into the bright sunlight and sat down on the stone benches on the terrace. Demaria came back and reported that all was clear, but Sophie still kept her on patrol, just in case. Nika started to read the document aloud. I, Cornelius Vanderbilt, captain of the Flying Dutchman, am being pursued by pirates, namely the Black Cross Gang. Knowing I cannot outrun them, I have hidden the cargo of gold doubloons in the lagoon of Imora. I enclose directions. I hope I may be able to return to claim the gold for its rightful owner, King Lucio of Sandopolis. But in the intervening time, I have done my best to keep it safe. If I do not return, the worst will have happened. Know that I remained faithful to king and country to the last. Captain Cornelius Vanderbilt Wow, remarked Sam. He was really brave. Do you think the Black Cross gang got him? asked Zelly. Yeah, Nika replied. All the more reason why we must find the gold and take it back to the king. We must finish what Captain Vanderbilt started, said Milo. Next, he includes a plan showing how to find the gold by lining up the palm trees and the large rock on the edge of the lagoon. Nika continued. The trees will have changed a bit, but we can take a line from the rock and try to follow it. And if the treasure is in the lagoon itself, we'll have to dive for it, said Zav excitedly. Well, it should be Milo who does the diving. He's the best, said Zelly. Milo blushed, but he knew the praise was true. He was a very strong swimmer and could hold his breath for a long time underwater. We could also get the manatees to help us, said Zelly. They have a colony out there on the lagoon. I'm sure they'd be very helpful. Manatees, repeated Nika. I don't believe I've ever come across them in my travels before. Well, that's not surprising, said Zelly. They're endangered, so they're quite rare. They're also known as sea cows, added Sophie. They're absolutely huge, a bit like a small whale. Oh, but they're so gentle, Zav joined in. We love them. Sometimes they talk to Zelly. Talk to Zelly? asked Nika, turning her dark eyes on the girl. That is a gift. Zelly smiled. Yes, it is. I'm very lucky. She gestured to Sophie. It's how we can talk to our parrots of flambeau. You'll see, grinned Zav. It's a big secret, Nika, but we trust you. Sophie and Zelly have special powers. Nika looked impressed. I think those powers might come in very handy, she said. And Nika, of course was absolutely right. Thanks for listening. Join us next episode for Chapter 6, Diving for Gold at the Lagoon of Emora. See you next time.